Well, that is certainly the heart that we want when we open our Bibles, isn't it? Speak, Lord. Your, your people want to hear your voice, crave your word. On this first um, Lord's Day of the new year, uh, we're going to begin looking at Psalms 1 and 2. Uh, and, and this study we'll be calling Allegiance to the King. Allegiance to the King. These two psalms, um, and they're meant to be considered together, uh, speak to us about the kind of world we certainly will encounter this year. And, and these two psalms speak to us about how we ought to live as the people of God in such a world. In this world, there are those who live in glad allegiance to Yahweh, the eternal one, the one true God, and experience his blessing, and there are those who do not. There are no tweeners. Uh, we, we, we will not find in Psalm 1 or Psalm 2 uh, someone who is, who is sort of a Christian, or once was, but now isn't. A very clear line is drawn. And God's gospel always draws that clear line, doesn't it? And we'll see that happening this year in our community. A continuing separating of people based on their true allegiances. We don't want to be surprised by that. Either you belong to God and gladly bow before his anointed king and, and, and you know the, the blessing of that relationship or, or you've got other allegiances and both lives and both eternal destinies are described for us in these two psalms. So before we read them together, and we're going to do that here in just a minute, let me just say that we're meant to look through the lens of these two psalms and examine ourselves. What, what, what kind of person am I? What, what kind of life am I living right now? What, what kind of eternity does my present path suggest I am living toward? So, so let's just do that now as we read Psalm 1 and 2. You ready? Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? 
The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. We normally don't read that much scripture together on Sunday mornings, and I want you to just know that that's a survivable thing, isn't it? That worked just fine. And it's helpful, I trust, to consider these two psalms together because they function as sort of a preamble to the entire book of Psalms. This, this is the preface to the entire Psalter. And together they've been likened to the, the, the foyer or the entryway of a big mansion. You know, the Psalms are, that, that's a big book in your Bible, the biggest one as it turns out, right? And they, they set the tone and the direction for all of the Psalms. In fact, we're meant to keep coming back to the basic truths that were just spelled out for us in Psalms 1 and 2 for our understanding of all the rest of the Psalms. And the first thing we notice, the first portrait on the wall of this mansion, if you will, is this beautiful portrait of blessedness. Blessedness. One who lives in allegiance to God and his anointed king is described as the blessed man or, or together as a people of God, the blessed people. Notice verse 1 of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who... And then notice the last words of Psalm 2. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. So, so God is saying to us in his word this morning, there is such a life that God blesses. And, and the best life is the life that is lived under the blessing of God. That word blessed functions as, as bookends then for these first two psalms. All that we read are, is bookended by that word blessed. And it, and it translates a word that means happy. Happy. And so you, so you might just ask yourself before we go any further, am I happy? In, in the biblical sense. More on that in a moment. What would it take, do you suppose, for this year, 2022, to be for you a happy new year? I and mean, we, we've been saying that 
to each other today and yesterday, right? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. But what, what would it take for this new year? We're, we're a day and a half into it now. Is, are you happy? Maybe happiness for you uh, this year would, would come from a different job. Or maybe retiring from the job that you've had for many, many years. Maybe happiness for you would come from getting healthy. Staying healthy, recovering from ill health, you know, all of that sort of thing. Maybe happiness for some of us would come from richer relationships, more relationships, mended relationships. All of those are good things, and they're all very good goals for a new year. But none of those things in themselves provide happiness by God's measure. You see, the the world will offer to us its counterfeit happiness. And so we need to know what God means in his word when he says, blessed is the man. Blessed are all those who. What, what, What is God's measure of happiness? Well, the Bible does not use the word happy or blessed trivially, flippantly, the way we sometimes do. You know, know guys, you know this one, happy wife, happy life, right? You've heard that one. And that's funny, I suppose. And maybe it's a little bit true. Um, But it's trivial, don't you think? Of course it is. And the Bible does not use the word happy in a relativistic sense. Like, you, you just do... Your version of happy. You, you, you just go out there and you just do what makes you happy. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Ever hear that song? Thanks to, you know, that, that Farrell Williams song it proves the point, I think, that you cannot just sing the word happy 56 times in one song. And, and be made happy by it. You're, mostly you're made irritated by it, right? I mean, it, it makes you unhappy to hear that. It, it's a, because it's, it, it sings of a cartoonish life. Biblical happiness is not achieved by mantra. If, if I just think happy, I am happy. Why are you so unhappy? You're just not thinking enough happy thoughts. You need to go out and get you a shirt that says, think happy, be happy. Well, that, that's just silly, isn't it? Mahatma Gandhi rather famously said, happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. Now, that, that sounds interesting, but we just read in Psalm 1 and 2 that those who think what's wrong and say what's wrong, and end up doing what's wrong, live in a harmony that leads them all the way to God's wrath in hell. You see, the, the, the world has its counterfeit happiness. So it's important that we know what happiness is in the biblical sense. To be blessed, to be happy by God's measure, is to know that all-encompassing joy and security and prosperity that comes from a a right relationship with him. This is the the vibe of the people of God. 
because they belong to God. And so the psalmist says in, in verse 1 of Psalm 1, Oh, the happiness of the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Psalm 2, Oh, the happiness of all who bow before this benevolent king and know him and are known by him and belong to him, trust in him. So happiness is the security and the prosperity that come only from a right relationship with God. In the biblical sense, there is no happiness outside of relationship with God. No blessedness, if you will, outside of relationship with God. Whether it's a single person or whether it's a group of people in aggregate, the blessed are those who are secure in God. Are you secure in God? They're they're made to prosper by God. They're in a friendly relationship with God. Psalm 33 verse 12 says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. So you, you look at a verse like that and you've got to understand that that verse is not talking about America. Don't don't misunderstand this, okay? You you cannot wrap your flag around that one. You You just can't. In fact, 2022 would be a great year for some of us to stop wrapping some of our favorite verses in the American flag. It's not to do with that. Psalm 33 makes a statement about God's elect people. Those he has chosen as his inheritance for his glory. Blessed is that nation, his Israel, his holy nation, his church, if you will. Only God's people are made happy because only God's people are made secure and made to prosper by his measure. Blessed is the one Blessed are all those who. Now we're just going to look at the opening two verses of Psalm 1 this morning. and So this is actually where the message starts, okay? And I want you to just notice with me in Psalm 1, verse 1, that the blessed man is not described positionally. That the blessed man is described experientially, in terms of a lifestyle. First in terms of what he does not do, And then in terms of what he does do. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. The walk that someone has is their lifestyle, right? Your walk is is your lifestyle. So verse 1 compels you and me to examine our lifestyle. Not, not, Not what we say we believe, but, but how we actually think and how we actually live our lives day by day. The blessed life is not directed by the counsel of those who are apart from God. Says who? Says God. The blessed life is not directed by the counsel of those who are apart from God. Who, who are the ungodly? So some of your Bibles use the word wicked. Who, who are the wicked? 
Well, throughout the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word that is translated ungodly or wicked refers to those who ignore or reject or oppose God's standard for righteousness. Let me just say that again. The ungodly, the wicked, are those who ignore or reject or oppose God's standard for righteousness. And so I ask you this morning, does it seem to you that we live in a world that is ungodly? That is wicked? Of course. Elsewhere in the Psalms, we read that the ungodly or the wicked are practical atheists. In other words, they, they may well name God, but they think and live as if God does not exist. Well, listen to Psalm 10 and verse 4. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. This, this world is ungodly, wicked, not, not in the sense that, that everywhere it's as bad as it possibly could be, but because its people ignore and reject and oppose God and God's ways. Now, let me, let me give you a quick um, practical and local example of this. At, at the Hayden Public Library, there is now being offered a get-together after hours for children to help them and affirm them in a, a, a gay or transgender lifestyle. And, and children as young as 10 and 11, year olds or 11 years old are coming to this thing. And, and you think, well, how, how does something like that happen in our community? Well, well it's a reminder to us that, that the decision makers, the influencers in, in much of our communities, these are, are those who ignore or reject or oppose God and God's ways. And I, I bring that up not to be sensational, but, but just to help us see that you don't have to go looking for this stuff. It's not hard to find. So, so the ungodly, the wicked, are, are people whose lives are characteristic of, of those who are outside of covenant relationship with God. So... so as we look at verse 1 of Psalm 1, we don't want to miss the implications of this truth. If you live your life primarily on the advice of those outside the covenant, primarily those who are outside of relationship with God, outside the, the community of God's people who are led by the word to God's people, you are not living a life that God blesses. You say, well, that sounds rude. Well, well, that's the Bible. I'm not freelancing this. This is God's truth for us. Who will you listen to as you seek direction for this new year? Because you're going to have to make a lot of decisions. And you're going to have to know how to think through a lot of gray areas. Who or what advises our attitudes towards what we see happening in the world? Politics and government and nations doing this and that and the other thing. What, what will inform our attitude towards such things? Will, will it be Fox News? Or if you like the other flavor, will it be MSNBC? Pick your poison. 
Or, or will it be the word of God? Who or what will inform our ideas about some of the social issues of our day, like abortion, sexual orientation, gender identity, these sorts of things, the whole wokeness thing that's happening in our culture. God and his word. Or will it be those outside of relationship with him who want to define for you and define for me what it actually means to love our neighbor? That this, this is the world that we live in today. We don't have to go looking for it. It's right here. Who or what will shape our response to this whole virus thing that's still going on? It seems odd to even bring it up. We're sick of talking about it, aren't we? And yet there's, and yet there's another variant of it. Have you heard that? It's coming at you. So how will we decide whether to gather with God's people and be his hands and his feet out in the community in a world that once again is isolating How are we we going to decide that? Will will the church move toward need or or slip into self-preservation? Well, we want to be informed by the word of God here, don't we? Not by the ways of the ungodly. There's always the danger of these things being practical, right? And personal. God's people are not to take their advice for thinking and living from those who are outside the covenant, those who are outside of relationship with God and therefore have no love for God and have no delight in his word. You still listening? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You know this psalm well, so many of you. And so you know that there is a progression that is being spelled out here for us in verse 1. Walk, stand, sit. Uh, These verses speak of a progression, right? Um, The person outside of relationship with God hears the advice of the world and then stops to listen. Just wants to hear a little bit more. It's interesting. It's appealing. And having stopped, he's now standing in the path of sinners. And this is happening before our very eyes in many of the issues of our day. Take the um, LGBTQ thing, for example. Can we go there? She's heard a bit about this at school or with friends, and now she's stopped and is no longer passively interested. She's actively interested. And now he's standing there. He's He's taking it all in, considering the message. It's all dressed up in nice words, but it's godless. And the progression ends badly, doesn't it? Pretty soon such a person is sitting in the seat of the scornful. What's that all about? Well, now this fellow is settled in. He's now more comfortable. He's now most comfortable among those who are outside of relationship with God, outside the church, if you will. This fellow, um, the deconstruction guy, who is this? Joshua Harris comes to mind. The I kiss dating goodbye fellow. 
um, who has, has very publicly renounced uh, his um, once professed faith in Christ, and now you can send money to him, and he'll, he'll lead you through a workshop on how to, how to deconstruct your own faith, you see. And um, I mention that, again, not to be sensational, but that, that is the progression that you see described here in Psalm 1. And, and, it, and it ends badly. Look at verse 6 of Psalm 1. The way of the ungodly shall perish. And, and so if you're, if you're listening this morning or maybe you're listening in from home this morning and you think, my goodness, I, I thought we'd, we'd, we'd start the new year with something a bit more positive. Um, <laughs> listen, do you see the urgency of this for the church? The way of the ungodly shall perish. This progression then in verse 1 reminds us a bit of this fellow named Lot in, in Abraham's day, doesn't it? What, what was Lot's deal? Well, Lot saw the beauty of Sodom, so he walked toward Sodom, and he pitched his tent in Sodom, and then he settled there quite comfortably. And when you first read that in your Bible, you're thinking to yourself, what, how does that happen? What, what is going on here? Well, it's this whole walk, stand, sit thing, isn't it? It's, it's a slow progression. And so the word of God uh, to those apart from his anointed king, using Psalm 2's wording, is, look, the route to hell is not a, a short, quick drop. It, it, it's, it's a gradual, almost imperceptible, almost indis, undiscernible descent into opposing God and God's ways. Think of it this way. When you go to the North Idaho Fair, do you go to the fair? You should. It's a good time. But, but you walk past those booths in that one building. You know the one I'm talking about where they're selling you stuff? And, and, and you hear uh, people selling newspapers and, and uh, cleaners and, and pots and pans and jewelry. And, and they say, as you walk by, hey, can I ask you a question? Have you, have you just a moment for a, for a quick question? And you know as well as I do that if you stop, <laughs> if you stop, you are, you're, you're done. I mean, that's, it's game over at that point because they're very good at what they do. And you went to the fair for the Ferris wheel and a corn dog, and you left with a tractor or, or, a, or a, a travel trailer or something, a, a, a carpet cleaner or something like You didn't even know you needed it, let alone wanted it. But there it is. Listen, parents, Psalm 1, the progression spelled out for us in Psalm 1 has some very practical instructions for our parenting. Let's not believe the lie this year that our children need to be exposed to every false, godless idea that's out there for the purpose of their open-mindedness. That, that is insane. their ability to make right choices, the world says. You've got to expose them to all this stuff. Let them just pick what makes sense to them. 
Well, that, that very frankly is not biblical parenting, is it? Is it? When your kids are very young, you just put a Mr. Yuck st- sticker on all of that ungodly stuff because your job is to be their conscience right now. When your kids grow and you're keeping them in the company of God's people, you're keeping them in the word of God, you're showing them that God has graciously spoken into every aspect of human experience, your life and their life for for our blessing. That's what we want to do. You see, there is a life that God wants to bless and will bless. And there is a life that he will not bless. Notice how, can we go to the positive now? Is that enough negative for for a while? Okay. Notice how we go from negative to positive in verse 2. The blessed man, the happy man, is the one who enjoys to the fullest his relationship with God. Do you enjoy God? I mean, does your heart thrill that you know God? And he knows you, that, that you're secure in him, that, that you're prospering under his benevolent authority? We'll come back to that. So the blessed man doesn't walk or stand or sit in godlessness, but his delight, says verse 2, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So who wants to be happy? Well, well, the happy man, the blessed man, delights in the law of Yahweh, the, the God of the covenant. What, what, what's the law? I, I didn't think we cared about the law. We're grace people, right? What, what's, what's this even talking about? The word law in verse 2, Torah, literally means instruction or direction. And that the Torah to Hebrew people referred to the, the, the first five books of, of the Bible, the, the five books of Moses, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In fact, the Psalms themselves, get this, come to us in five books that correspond to the Torah. Isn't that interesting? It's almost as if one person wrote this whole book, the Bible. It's astounding, really. What does it mean to delight in God's law? Well, of course I delight in God's law. I have several Bibles. I've got a black one and a blue one and a burgundy one. A couple of years ago, I picked up a brown one, real leather, not the cheap stuff, you know. Is that what it is to delight in God's law? Of course I delight in God's law. I'm down there at the courthouse whenever they're talking about getting rid of that Ten Commandments statue. And I'm waving my sign and I'm shouting at people in Jesus' name. Really? Is that, is that delighting in the law of God? No, you delight in God's law when you're personally immersed in it. it, it, it you're always focused on it. it. You're committed to live by it. Did you catch that last part? The blessed man is gladly immersed in God's word, focused on God's word, lives by God's word. You're committed to a culture, a a worldview, a, a home life that is shaped by the truth of God. 
So let me ask you something. Are you committed to a culture, a worldview, a home life that is shaped by God's truth? You say, well, of course I am. I'm sitting in a building that's labeled a Bible church. Well, I'm, I'm I'm not asking about the place where you come on Sunday mornings because the Bible is speaking to you this morning, speaking to me this morning. Remember, being neutral on this is simply to be swept downstream in that progression that we saw in verse 1. And our Torah, our instruction is all of Scripture, isn't it? Listen to 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Boy, God does a lot of things through His Word, doesn't He? The words delight and meditate in Psalm 1 verse 2 refer to something that is so much more than just an intellectual exercise, an an academic exercise. Making sure you win all of the points at Awana, that sort of thing. That's important. To delight. And because of that delight to meditate, means that what I really enjoy most is God himself. And so I thrill at his word. I want to hear his word. I I know that when when I come to the Bible each day, I can say, speak, O Lord, like we just sang, fully expecting that he will do so and has done so in Scripture. Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 8, The bride says this, The voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Now now what do you have there? You have a bride who thrills at the voice of her beloved. Oh, it delights her heart. And she can't stop thinking about it. And to God's covenant people, his word, the law of the Lord, is to us the voice of our beloved. To to hear our king speak delights us and gets us moving as he directs because we love him. Amen? Can Can you say that today, friend? The Bible is the voice of your beloved. Not a textbook to carry around. Are you deliberately planning this year to hear and heed the voice of your beloved? Because he's spoken and he's speaking. On your own, Pastor Darrell mentioned this at the onset, on your own, I pray that we already have a course of of, um, getting into the Bible this year. 
Many of you, I know, have already started. You're through the, the Bible reading. And if you, if you haven't, you're already a day behind. But it's only a day, right? I mean, you can get caught up, no problem. Just go to one of those five-day-a-week plans and you'll be just fine. But you see, the people of God need the Word of God. Amen. This is our food. This is our nourishment. This is the voice of our beloved. And you have many new opportunities this month here at HBC to join with others in hearing the voice of your beloved on uh, Monday nights, not tomorrow, but the next one. Uh, you can join Dave Coldy and some others here for a study called Living Coram Deo. What, what in the world does it mean to live to the glory of God? To live under the authority of God for His glory. What is that all about? Well, you come on Monday nights and you find out. On Thursday nights, you can come here and, and dig into God's instruction with respect to your finances and your marriage because we're stewards of both, right? Financial Peace University, getting off the sidelines of your marriage. Those are two wonderful opportunities to hear the voice of your beloved in very specific and practical areas of life. Ladies, on Wednesday morning, you can join with other women here as they begin studying 2 Timothy, which we quoted from earlier. On Thursday nights, also for the ladies, you can join others who will be digging into the book of Jude. It's a short book, but it's long on truth. And it's all about this walk, stand, sit business when it comes to recognizing the voices of apostasy. And those are loud voices in our world today. This Saturday morning, men come here for the men's breakfast. It's, it's not about eating food. We're going to get that done just fine. But it's about feeding on the Word of God in the company with other men who are God's men. Anyway, you get the idea. So let me, let me just ask you something. You personally, what is your plan this year to delight in the law of the Lord? If you read the Song of Solomon, you get a broader sense of this word delight because the bride thinks of her beloved all the time. And that, I mean, that's romance, right? That's love. Well, um, that's also meditation. Look at verse 2 again, Psalm 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So, so the people of God take in the word of God, they read it themselves, and they, they hear it proclaimed whenever they can, and they think on it whenever they can't. That's the idea. And, and, and the world, unfortunately, has, has stolen away this perfectly wonderful word, meditation. And it's peddling the idea that happiness is found in going off into a corner someplace and, and, and crossing your legs in the most painful way and, and just emptying your head of everything, and that is just stupid. I mean, nowhere in Scripture are God's people told to empty their minds. The empty mind is in a really bad spot. No, we're meant to fill our minds 
with the Word of God, chewing on the Word of God like a cow chews on cud for good reason, right? Not just to look funny, but to take all the nutrition out of it, get all the good stuff out of that. And if you're thinking, well, well, that, that's great. I mean, I would expect a pastor to say that. I mean, good heavens, we pay the fellow to sit around and think deep thoughts about Scripture, don't we? That's his, that's his job. How can he not say that? You're, you're thinking it, I know that. But here's the thing. The busiest people on the planet can meditate. So don't, don't overcomplicate this with an excuse like that. I'm busy. Read and hear the word when you can and think on it when you can't. You still listening? Well, we tend to make time. We tend to give energy to things we delight in, don't we? How do we leave this opening look at um, these two psalms? You you get the sense that we've just started, right? We're going to have to start with verse 1 again next week, probably. We barely looked at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 1, but think about what we've seen. Two kinds of people. Two ways of living. Two very different eternal destinies. The ungodly those outside the covenant shaped by godless thinking the righteous God's people shaped by his word live with your eyes open even halfway this year and you'll see both but you know there's been a certain awkwardness to this and, and if we stop right at this point, even though I know I'm out of time, it'll continue to be awkward, and I don't want that. Because so far, this feels a bit moralistic, doesn't it? Be a good person. Don't be one of those bad people. Is that, is that the message of Psalm 1, do you suppose, and Psalm 2? No. Who among us could honestly say that we only delight in the law of God? Who in this room could honestly say, I meditate on the word of God day and night? I mean, who here, good church folk that we are, can honestly say we never listen to or become influenced by ungodly thinking? Can you? Can your pastor? No. So, the awkwardness is what? Who is this blessed man in Psalm 1? The word man in verse 1, blessed is the man, is not the usual Hebrew word in your Old Testament that refers to mankind, people in general. In verse 1 of Psalm 1, it's a word that very clearly means male as opposed to female. And sometimes it's translated as husband. That's interesting. Blessed is the man 
not woman. Blessed is the husband. It, it's very specific. There's no getting around it. I got stuck there. And now you're stuck there. Who is this blessed man who only delights in God's voice? Well, we just, we just celebrated this a week ago, didn't we? See, God has also lived a human life, hasn't he? God came down to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ, and he lived a blessed life. Secure and prosperous in the sense that he did everything and only that which the Father gave him to do. Jesus, in his humanity, was and is like that, as verse 3 says, that tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And so that becomes for God's people a simile, really, for our own sanctification. We're attached to him. Psalms one, Psalm 1-3 reminds you a little bit of what Jesus said in, in John 15, doesn't it? I am the true vine. Lots of false vines. I, I'm the true vine. Remain in me. Abide in me. Stay in me and you will bear much fruit. Jesus never lived by godless ideas. What was never influenced by man's best wisdom apart from his creator. And you see that in living color when you study the life of Christ in the Gospels, how he regularly got up early and got away and got alone so he could get with God, the Father, for love's sake, for love's sake. And Jesus countered all of the temptations from Satan in the wilderness with the word of God that had saturated his heart and his mind almost as if he had written it himself, right? Of course. Jesus heard the Father. and Jesus obeyed the Father. And he did so in the power of the Spirit perfectly, perfectly. So Psalm 1 is meant to elevate our thoughts of Christ, the blessed man. Jesus Christ is the ultimate blessed man. We, we don't want to read Psalm 1 and think, well, I guess, it's, I, I guess it's mostly to do with be a good person as opposed to a bad person. Apart from the work of Christ... Apart from the work of the ultimate blessed man, none of us are blessed because all of us are born bad. We're blessed only if we're in Christ. So on a morning in which we've been speaking mostly of the written word, I wonder if your conscience affirms that you know the living word. That, that you know by faith the word who became flesh to dwell 
among men and women like us who lived the righteous life, the blessed life that you and I have not lived and went to a cross and his blood was shed to take upon himself the just wrath of God that all sin deserves, that your sin deserves. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know the the blessed man? Because Christ is the key to blessing, to happiness. And Jesus not only saves us, he indwells us by his spirit, doesn't he? So that we're made alive to God. We're not born naturally delighting in the law of God. We're born rebelling from it. But we're born again with a new heart, aren't we? That really does love God and really does delight in his word. Remember that the the Christian life in Psalm 1 and 2 is not a a list of, of propositional truth statements. It's a picture of experience, of delighting in God himself. The blessed life belongs to those who are attached to Christ. And we become fruit-bearing trees for the kingdom when we're attached to Christ. And so both psalms end with this. Psalm 1 ends, The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He keeps his own. He knows his own. They're secure in him. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for these wonderful songs that speak to us of you. And Lord, I pray that this year would be a year for the people of Hayden Bible Church where we grow deeper in our understanding of your word. And that deeper understanding will show up in the way that we live our lives for your glory. Lord, let us not be that people who stop and listen to the world's best ideas, thinking that there might be something to it. Lord, I thank you for the blessing of belonging to you and delighting in your word. And we ask, Lord, that that would increase and that the fruit of this attachment to you would increase for your namesake. In Jesus' name.